Welcome to Booking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the first and lasts, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. says it all, NXT level up is an opportunity for any superstar to move up the ranks here in WWE, an opportunity to make a statement that cannot be denied and said, oh, it all starts right now. It's time to level up. I'm one half of your hosting duo, Dan Griffin, joined as always by my partner in podcasting, Pissedery, UTT, Rob. Rob, how are you, mate? I'm good, I'm good. I've been telling you for years that I want Neil Warnock to come back, and he's finally come back. So I'm over the moon. <laughs> been bouncing off the wall, just, so. Yeah, it just goes to prove that if you complain for 28 years, something happens. Well, somebody's got to like Neil Warnock, haven't they? But. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there'll be a statue of him in Huddersfield if he gets us out of this mess. <laughs> At least it wants Steve Bruce, that's all I can say. Oh, God, he, he were on the betting. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Did you have I mean, Yeah, should, should, should we just, like, be put straight into the conference? <laughs> hey, that'd be all right, Huddersfield versus York City. Right, every time we get relegated, we think, oh, yeah, that'll be all right. We'll win some games. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can probably... I'm just going to get straight into it. You can probably hear another voice in the background chuckling away there. <laughs> And I've got something to try here that no doubt I will I will absolutely butcher. But introducing this week's guest from across the country and from the present, he is the barroom brawling, disco dancing, dynamite stretching, intercontinental playboy. Folks, he's more over than bad neck tattoos and bearded Canadians. It's GA WrestleNut, Glenn Abbott. Glenn, how are you, mate? I am very, very good. Thank you for that amazing intro. <laughs> I've not had one like that for ages. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I had to do it, seeing as uh, seeing as you're coming on uh, from the. Uh, well, I suppose we best uh, we best get the uh, get this out there from the piece of business podcast uh, and from uh, a work in progress now. Yes, yeah, a work uh, a piece of business is now defunct. Apart from it gets mentioned occasionally, but. Um, I now, instead of recording at a sensible time on Sunday afternoons, I do, I help out recording at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning, straight after SmackDown. Bloody hell! <laughs> the, the things we do for this wonderful wacky world of wrestling, mate. Eh? It certainly. Is. But <laughs> to be fair, SmackDown has been worth it lately. So. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's even dragged uh, dragged me back in, and I was out of. Uh, sort of WWE for the best part of a year and a half. So right. I was only I was only keeping up to oh, keeping up with NXT thanks to your good self really. <laughs> and Jeremy obviously. <laughs> that, uh, was, that was we, hard work. But we'll yeah. go into that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was. But 
but we had to uh, get you on for uh, for this week, really, uh, just to mention it up front. We'll because we're going to be looking at the very first episode of NXT Level Up. Yeah, so, and uh, it wasn't bad. Well, yeah, she's throwing the cards on the table straight off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, why and thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm so used to watching rubbish wrestling. I've never been level ups basically if anybody that has it it's three matches, it's half an hour that gets five stars from me <laughs> yeah brevity does help <laughs> that's, why, that's why I got into NWA originally, you know, trying to bring back studio wrestling, 45 minutes to an hour bish bash bosh, done Yeah. but we'll, uh, we'll get into that because first up we uh, we gave you some belated uh, homework <laughs> to look about, about four hours before recording. <laughs> I just thought earlier, have, have we sent the message? And I looked and I was like, ah, shit, no. You know I, <laughs> thought, I thought that and then looked down and you'd sent it. So there's some weird hive mind thing going on here. Mm. Um, so as we do with new guests, you know, we could do, go down the route like other podcasts of asking, you know, how did you get into wrestling? Yada, yada, yada. But we're genetic yeah. freaks uh, and we're not normal, so we asked you to rank our five factors of importance to you in wrestling. <laughs> and uh, it'll be interesting as well, because uh, listening to a piece of business, you've uh, you've indulged a bit yourself in uh, back in the day, haven't you, on the mat? I, I, I did, yes. Uh, I, I had a few... I've run the ropes a few times, most notably in a tag match against the British Bulldogs in a charity match. Which is oh, absolutely <laughs> Has the bruising gone down yet? I'll tell you what, I got more roughed up by Tom than I did by Davey. Davey being the bigger guy, he was one of the softest wrestlers I've ever worked with. Oh, wow. You think of how smash mouth he made it look. Yeah. How many of the British strong style in inverted commas guys sort of look up to him and use that style the guy he hardly knew that he was touching you and i'm sure some of your listeners may have heard the story but you may say i've got a tooth missing for the middle now mm. uh, he actually kicked it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember that story now no, I don't. And it was and it was it was purely my fault mm. he did a drop kick off the top rope I was standing about nearer than I should have been. Wow. So he took his foot straight in the mouth. And well, he never made, made that mistake again. No. <laughs> and I can't do his accent. But he went, you all right, kid? Yeah, he said, good, some blood out. I'll make him even, make it look even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Always up for stories like that, but your five factors, Glenn. Storyline, presentation, promos, in-ring and fan response. Over to you, good Uh, sir. Well, being brought up in the 1960s, being an old git, with Saturday afternoon wrestling, there wasn't a lot of storyline apart from, yeah, good guys, bad guys. It was all about the wrestling. So number one on my list would be the technical ability and the selling. Number two... And I've swayed to this more recently since Booker T took over on commentary on NXT. 
it basically absolutely ruined it. <laughs> uh, so I would put presentation, which includes production, commentary, and VX, etc., at number two. Yep, um, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> Fan response. I actually enjoyed it when there were no fans. I suppose it's from me, from a technical point of view, I loved hearing what was going on in the ring. Mm-hmm. Those guys and girls, they had to call it cleanly because they, they they couldn't get up to the usual chicanery that was hidden by the crowd noise where they were working to. And it was absolutely brilliant to watch. I thought for a second there you were going to tell us you were the guy shushing Robert uh, NXT UK taping <laughs> in York. <laughs> Oh, I wish. <laughs> what else was there? Promos with storyline left. Oh, yeah. I actually think that goes in with technical ability and, and in ring work. Fair enough. Because a good, there's been a lot, there's been a quite a few good workers over the years in inverted commas, which couldn't cut a promo, but it does help if you can cut a good promo as well. Yeah. And going back, to those old days, those guys could, act, although it wasn't like done to camera and everything, they could cut a promo. They'd chat to the crowds. Um, you'd see them every Saturday night on different entertainment shows and things, and doing acting, and that was all part of the show. I think. Yeah, we, we've spoken before about how much we loved Leon Harris uh, arguing with the referee and uh, shouting to the crowd and. Yeah, you know, obviously an accomplished actor in Brian Glover, but yeah, yeah. there was a lot of wrestlers like that. But. And, well, and just like that, all I want to do is watch Leon Harris versus Les Kellett for the millionth time. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do that? Instead? I think that was one of the first matches that I ever showed Jeremy to get him into what British wrestling was about. No, I think, it's a great one. Uh, absolutely loved it. We got hooked. <laughs> well, yeah, that'll do it. I mean, the brilliant thing about Kellett was that, yes, he was the clown, but he was also a hard bastard, and you absolutely knew it. And, you know, just the way he could toy with his opponents. So, you know, it instantly win the test of strength. He was a master. Yeah. yeah we're big Les Kellett fans here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wouldn't, I, to be honest, I wouldn't have seen half of it if, uh, if not for Rob. To be honest, <laughs> I was very late to the party on that. It's, uh, well, it's just an absolute joy every time I watch him. Yeah, well, you could imagine what it was like for me as a seven and eight year old to see that guy and all the tricks he got up to. Something else is mind blowing, absolutely uh-huh. hilarious. Something else to rolling around on the floor in hysterics with what he got up to. Because he, he was one of the biggest draws of like the, the early to mid-70s, wasn't he? Uh, he, he had the most mm-hmm. world of sport, all that yeah. sort of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've shown my granddad a few clips back. and yeah. you know, My granddad's obviously you know well into his 80s now. But he, he wasn't familiar with Kellett's name. He couldn't remember that. But as soon as I showed him the, the footage, he's I remember him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting what you say, though, about the... Um, about the the fan response and, and liking it when it was, um, you know, when it was no fans and, and silent in yeah. the arenas, because we've never really had anyone with that take. So that's definitely something unique and, and it makes perfect sense, you know, given your background and, and all the rest of it. So very interesting there. 
But as we mentioned, uh, we are, I'll, I'll mention it probably a few more times before we get there. We're going to be looking at NXT uh, level up. But uh, first off, I think I've seen some uh, beverages flying around. Uh, are we having a drink tonight, lads? Glenn, are you drinking? I have got um, the original European piss. I have got San Miguel. <laughs> and I believe that's a pint can, is it? Mm. 500ml. Well, to be fair, you're starting your next podcast in six hours, so if you were drinking high percentage stuff... <laughs> <laughs> what are you on tonight, Rob? Uh, a few cups of tea. Before. <laughs> so I'm starting out with the barrel aged Ogun from Tartarus Beers. It's uh, 10%. It's bloody lovely as everything from Tartarus Beers is. And if, if you want to drink Tartarus Beers, you can go on the website, put in the promo code UTT Podcast 15 and get 15% off. And uh, then after that, I have Hula Hula from 71 Brewing Co., which is a 4.8% fruited pale ale. And against my better judgment after that, I'm going to Camden for uh, Camden uh, Cold IPA. Um, Camden keep letting me down, but I keep giving them another chance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fair enough. Even if it's shy, you've got to untap them all. You do. Well, I'm starting out fairly light because uh, there's a good chance I'll be making more podcast notes after we finish up here for for a recording tomorrow. So I'm starting out with uh, Northern Monk, collaboration with Amity Brew Co. It's a British Culture Archive and Phil's Flyers. It's one of the patrons' project beers, 27.06. It's uh, an IPA, 6.5%. It's Northern Monk, so it's bloody fantastic. Then next up, sticking with uh, Northern Monk, uh, going across to their OFS series, it's, they actually don't have the number on this one, which is confusing, but it's uh, one of the new ones and it's their American, American lager at 4%, so I'm on the America piss. And then going over to my old favourite, Brew York, and it's Hot Busters, which is a Motueka and Nelson New Zealand IPA, and the can art is Blockbuster themed. Don't know if you oh. guys can see that. Right, give me a pee, please, Bob. As you said, before we start recording, you have to learn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. My life's a joke. <laughs> a one man meme. <laughs> yeah, it was one man's meme. Yeah. <laughs> so, while we're on the subject of uh, of, beer, of alcohol, Glenn, what would you recommend people drink while watching the first episode of NXT Level Up? Yep, something quick and something easy, Rob. Because you only get half an hour. There's no time for loo breaks or anything. So, uh, whereas with NXT, you want something strong to numb the senses. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, for this little half an hour, just something light and fruity and uh, not too much of it. A nice cosmopolitan or two. Yeah, (laughs) I thought for NXT, you uh, got your uh, red cups out and uh, drank whatever was in the Chase You Punch Bowl. Oh, God. <laughs> Rob's favourite Chase You. Well, oh. we'll, go, we'll, come up with, we'll come to Chase You in a little bit. We will. <laughs> Rob, what would you recommend? I am going to recommend This Way Up by Anarchy Brew Co. It's a 4.5% pilsner uh, it had great can art it was quite flashy shared the um color scheme of 
NXT uh, level up, but flattered to deceive, it's one that I've given uh, two out of five to an untapped. Beth actually gave it three and a half out of five, though, in all fairness, so imagine oh, wow. me being grumpy. So shall we, we'll count that as Beth's beer of the week then, shall we, as well? Well, yeah, you can do. I, I was going to give you one that she'd actually given a really high rating to, but that's pretty right. her, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll have two from Beth then. Me, I was having a look through, I just went by the name, and because NXT Level Up is essentially um, the developmental of the developmental, uh, I've gone for Development Hell 2 from Asvex Brewery in Liverpool. It's a double IPA, 8.3%, uh, and I gave it 3.25 out of 5 and untapped, which is no, no. pretty decent. Yeah, it was quite tasty. So, Rob, what's, uh, what's Beth's second pick? Yeah, well, whenever we get any Vault City Brewery beers, she ring-fences them in the fridge uh, to make sure I don't drink them. She's got uh, Peach and Passion Fruit uh, Bellini from Vault City Brewing. It's a 6.6% sour. It's one that she's given 4.25 out of 5 on untapped. That does sound very nice, to be fair. And Vault City do fantastic sours. They do. I imagine that ring-fence is electrified to keep you away as well. <laughs> well, I, I just don't want to incur the wrath of Beth, to be honest. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fair enough. I understand completely. So, given that we've uh, been dragged kicking, we've dragged ourselves kicking and screaming into the present with NXT Level Up, I've got a very brief bit of uh, background on it. Uh, in October 2019, 205 Live merged under the NXT brand, uh, with 205 Live essentially becoming the uh, supplementary show of NXT. And on 5th February 15th, 2022, WWE announced that 205 Live would be replaced by a new show called NXT Level Up, which would stream in 205 Live's former Friday night slot at 10pm Eastern on Peacock in the US and WWE Network in international markets. The programme features matches taped either before or after uh, the preceding episode of NXT. Uh, it premiered on February the 18th, 2022, and the commentators for the opening show uh, Nigel McGuinness and Sudhu Shah. And I'll be honest, I meant to look into Sudhu Shah, but I forgot. I don't suppose either of you guys have got any more information on him, have you? The same here. Um, I, I thought, and, and I definitely need to Google him before the show. <laughs> I've, just, I've, I've just Googled him now. He has an Instagram. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and <a> <laughs> He is a man that has social media. That's all we know about him. Yeah. And his name is Sudhu Shah, and he, he works for WWE. Yes, um, and, and Rob, I know, not anymore. I know that, he doesn't. Not anymore. Yeah. He doesn't. And Rob, I know you'll have been one of, well, possibly only you that was sad to see two or five live go. Even I'd given up on it by that point. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of dodgy people now in hindsight. You know, with with Enzo and Austin Aries etc but they went through a period where they always had a real character at the top of the show so one of those two are are neville who sort of held up the the promo side of it and then when they all left it just felt like quite a dry wrestling show to me and you know i think you know if i I just want to watch straight up wrestling then you know i've got 50 years worth of it on youtube to go and uh, look at sort of thing (laughs) Yeah, okay, guys, insane. I've had the uh, WIP research department in on it. I'm not going to try and pronounce his real name. Ring name Sudhu Shah, just listed as NXT level up, brother of Sue Young. Oh. Really? 
Yes. That's interesting. Fair enough. Mm. I feel bad for any sort of him now. The undead bride might come for me. Mm. <laughs> well, I hope he's as diligent as Sue Young. I, I once went to a wrestling show in Nottingham and uh, she, she was like laid under the curtain, just, just like peeking through it with a notepad, making notes on the matches. <laughs> yeah. I remember never you saying seen, about that. Ne- never seen anyone else do, so... Um, in fact, um, I've been meaning to watch it, Glenn. Uh, you went on uh, Bang Bang for one of the Christmas crackers, didn't you? I believe you had uh, Sue Young versus, uh, was it Session no, Goff, Session Martin, Bob, that time? Session Goff. Yes. Yeah, I I flicked that first on Jeremy, and then I inflicted it on uh, Andy. Uh, I need to see that. I love, I love a bit of Sue Young and, and Session Moth brilliant. I had the good fortune of seeing uh, Martina in two death matches. Uh, sorry, no, one re- one regular SM match and one death match against Danny DeManto, I think it was, at the uh, at the weekend for the Rise and ICW No Holds Barred crossover. So that's very much up my street. I couldn't actually get to that show where they, they did the Session Goth thing, but afterwards, right before she posted it on Twitter. She DM'd me with a picture of her face. And I said, what have you done, girl? <laughs> blood pouring through. This is the first time that she'd done it. Is it that hardcore, I think? Yeah. And she got well into it now. I think she'd said publicly no more death matches for 2023. And then yeah. uh, ICW and HB came knocking. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I, yeah, I watched the other week she was plunging onto Lego, so that's not not necessarily true. Oh, she came to the ring for the match with Demanto with um, with a kendo stick with uh, three beer cans attached to it, uh, just like was, with the construction through it. That was a, that was originally constructed for the Sue Young match. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, Heather, I think you said that on the um, uh, on yeah. the on the one with uh, with Andy. That's a barbed wire. <laughs> Oh, there's no barbed wire this time. Oh, yeah, they had barbed wire on it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, razor, the razor wire was safe for the semi-main event. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> but anyway, back to level up. Yes. Um, yeah. Just on the opening, I, it's a weird thing to pick up on, but I quite like the um, the colour scheme. You know, the, with the green, yellows and oranges and a uh, and little bit of blue in there. Um, that could be just because the uh, the music's sort of fairly generic. But I did like the uh, the setup with, with the old NXT 2.0, you know, where they changed the arena and the seating was a bit more circular and all of that. Um, what did you guys reckon to the opening? It gave me very um, velocity and heat vibes with the uh, green and yellow, green and orange. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's our secondary show, harking back to those colour schemes. It could have been. Oh, they were just thinking, what what, what colours aren't we using? I don't know. Well, yeah, there's only so many colours in there. <laughs> Took a bit of cyan in there. It just it just made a change from NXT, which at this time was an ex- explosion in a kid's paint box. Yeah, yeah, it'd gone right away from just the uh, just the yellow and black, and yeah, yeah, like you say, firecracker in the acrylics. Mm. The, that NXT two point logo did feel like a task on the apprentice. And Lord Sugar would have been ripping the <laughs> ripping threads off and in the bathroom. The whole, the whole of the show, I think, was done by some of the apprentices. Ooh. I it's, wish it's, this had come. Watched it every week. Yeah, <laughs> I wish this. 
I wish this show, this level up, had come along a year earlier. There wouldn't have been so many comedic moments, but because they were throwing people that were greener than grass straight in to a major show, there were there was a lot of comedy to be had. But it was like a cross between that, a developmental show, and a teenage soap opera. Yeah. I, remember, uh, I, remember you and, I remember you and Jeremy constantly talking about how horny everybody was at one point. Yeah. For yeah. about, for about three months. <laughs> Although I was having this debate earlier on Twitter that, you know, if you look at the Olympics, there's a lot of people hooking up and all that sort of stuff in real life. So I don't mind a bit of it in wrestling. I guess yeah. when it's every, every single character, then, then it's a bit much. But it's over the top. Yeah, you've got to you've got to strike a balance. I think I think all, all wrestling products are one way or the other, and I think maybe the the sweet spot will be somewhere in between. Yeah. No, at one point or another, it was implied that Duke Hudson had been through half of the female roster. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's a chase. You, it's freshers week. No, this is before. <laughs> this is before. This, this I know, before I was, he became a schoolboy, I was joking. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it just for the insanity by the sounds of it. I watched the first episode and then, it, shockingly, it didn't grab me. Everybody said exactly the same thing. The amount of people that said to us, "Thanks for watching it," because we don't have to. <laughs> but the thing is, every time I went in to watch it, I found something that I liked. I just then immediately forgot about it. Yeah, that's it. Because no, you you'd be, you'd be a banger of a match going on, and then halfway through, they'd cut to a backstage promo, and yeah, it would be somebody snogging somebody or something. <laughs> the thing that I liked about it was it felt as if everybody there was willing to try their absolute best with the material they were given. Oh, uh, definitely. A lot of time in wrestling, some someone's given a, a gimmick that they don't personally like, and you can tell the phone in it in. But it, it felt like everyone was, you know, ready to just just roll with it and see where it went, rather than just shit on it to begin with. Looking at the record of releases, though, from NXT, I think it was a case of you either got on with it or you're out the door very quickly. Yeah, maybe that's what we always do with wrestlers. There's <laughs> a good incentive to get good at something when you've got either that option or you're back to earning $15 a night. Well, I always say, though, you know, the gimmick of The Undertaker, most wrestlers would have turned the nose up at that. You know, that oh, this is just ridiculous. It's hokey shit. I'm not going to do it. I'll not put their all into it. And, you know, it's the most successful gimmick in, uh, you know, the, the last ah. five years or whatever. I've been on record so often about going on about the Undertaker's gimmick. <laughs> no, credit to him and credit also to Vince McMahon for taking basically me, Mark Callis, and going, I know what I'll do with you. I'll turn you into an Undertaker. Yeah. I'll, give, I'll, give him, I'll, give, I'll give him a wide brim hat and long, long grey gloves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, they should have just given him a suit and a co-op name, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly comes across like a uh, like a gimmick that was dreamt up while on certain substances. 
And speaking of certain substances, my, uh, Nigel McGuinness was uh, was twitching around a wee bit, wasn't he? He was. I think it was supposed to sell excitement. Yeah, I think so as well. It, it, to me, it, to me, it's spring sniff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very strange how he got released, and they're struggling for decent color commentators, and yet they just like off you go, bye bye. They were knocking it out of the park on NXT UK. The pair of them, best commentary team on TV, and then all of a sudden they let, just let the pair of them go. Really strange. Yeah, because they had the token. They had the token English commentator in Wade Barrett, destined for SmackDown. Yeah, this is the problem with the interview process. Booker T went in and gave an excellent interview, uh, and then he's just been batshit insane uh, when he's doing the job, uh, and that's yeah. why interviews don't work. <laughs> I watched it. Not what was the uh, the big show before Vengeance Day? Was it New Year's Evil? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I watched. I watched about. A match and a half of that, and I had to turn it off. No, I, t- I just couldn't listen to Booker. I know I've done. I've done that with the weekly show quite often lately. I tend to, with the pay per view or uh, premium live events, I tend to be able to filter him out a bit more. But he goes <laughs> over the top. Uh, I did notice. On that, he was just starting to ease back a bit. I don't know where he'd been told not to be so bloody stupid. You'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Pat McAfee will be back soon, and everybody will shuffle around again, and Booker will disappear back off into the abyss. Into the pre-shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was nice hearing McGuinness again. Though. I do miss him on commentary. He was, he was on the rare occasion I did uh, did drop into NXT UK. He was always very good. And there was sort of it was it was a bit of an odd one because we've seen some sort of pilots or some first episodes where the uh, where they take some time and explain what's you know what's going to be going on. This obviously they don't have the runtime, so they're very quickly selling it as a show to work their way up the ranks and and make a name for themselves and and essentially selling it as a bit more than a starting point as the name suggests you know that mm. the, almost anybody can drop down and and level up as it were and they tried a catchphrase with the uh, mcginnis shouting it's time to level up yeah that that thing about any superstar um, you know can be here <laughs> i've just put yeah. bollocks in my notes i mean you know brock lesnar and roman reigns gonna turn up and level up <laughs> but imagine if they did it's not going to happen, is it? No, no, it's not. But they were trying, you know, and that's all you can. Add. It it felt like McGuinness actually believed what he was saying. So I've got to give him points for that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but we go straight into the first match, and it's uh, Harland with Joe Gacy uh, versus Javier Bernal. Harland, obviously, fairly recently released from WWE, now wrestling in uh, on AEW Dark as uh, as Parker Boudreaux. So he's um, effectively effectively traded NXT Dark Elevation for AEW Dark. Yeah, <laughs> it's a classic thing when he signed for AEW. People were going, "Oh, he was so wasted in WWE," and it's like, "Oh, you haven't really done much with him, have you?" It was it was, re- it was released for a reason. <laughs> he literally, literally was wasted. That's why he was released. Oh, was that it? Yeah, apparently, I've heard from a. 
a reliable source that it was a wellness issues in um well they released him for with the color of his pants and the backdrop of the uh, titan tron behind him i thought he was shirt cocking it on his way to the ring so <laughs> he, may, he may well have been wasted <laughs> yeah <laughs> just walking but, to the ring tackle out <laughs> but i have to give him a lot of thanks for being released because they took Joe Gacy and put him with the GYV, who they were turning into the comedy Liverpool scallies that were nicking upcaps and robbing people, old grannies and things. And that's just not them. At least as a schism, they're doing a bit more work like they, like they should be. Yeah, I, I like Joe Gacy and the schism and uh, mm. Eva. I think it's I think it's even good for Eva uh, Rain because you know if if you're trying to promote her as the Rock's daughter, then mm. you know yeah. she'd, she'd just be set up to fail. But being in a group, it gives her time to find her own feet yeah. uh, and be and part of something bigger. Especially with the story they're telling at the moment, where she's going around kidnapping female talent. Oh, yeah, and uh, Fia Hale being scared of her having PTSD <laughs> yeah. in a match. <laughs> yeah. Really? Is that what's going on? Yeah, Fia Hale's brilliant. Yeah. I, I I've love never it. heard of her. She, she's, she had a choice. She could either go to university or sign for NXT, and she chose both by going to chase yeah, you. Oh, you. Wait, yes, I have. Yeah, you told me about that, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> she's a little hyper one. I couldn't tell you, hadn't I? <laughs> Like I say, I watched um, I watched New Year's I watched one and a half matches of New Year's Evil, mm-hmm. and that's all I've watched since I think WrestleMania last year. Apart from the odd like bit here and there, if there's a really good match, I'll, I'll make so, it. But. So you wouldn't know about the sleaze ball that is Havia Banal then either. No, I tried looking up Havia Banal uh, as well, and I couldn't find anything on him. Yeah, you've got to search Big Body Havy. <laughs> yeah, Big oh, Body Havy. E R E. He's trying to be, it's hard to say, like a combination of sleazy characters. It's like the Carly kiss cam without the cam. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Just for a second there, I thought you were going to say Hard Body Harrison. <laughs> Don't need another one like him. No. But yeah, so yeah, this was my first look of uh, look at Javier Bernal. Harland and Gacy... On the surface of it, I thought they looked really good together. Gacy, in particular, has got that really... He's got that manic stare down where he's not wide-eyed, but I was trying to watch for him blinking. He doesn't. No, he just doesn't. I I don't know how he moistens his balls. I'll put it that way. And he doesn't doesn't blink, and he sort of gives that enigmatic smile. More than there's a slight head tilt to it as well that sells yeah. me crazy. It just yeah. it looks like it well looks like what it's meant to look like a psychotic bullshitting cult leader. Yeah. And he's really good at it. Yeah. He is. He's, he's I think if I watched more NXT, that, that is ab- that character is absolutely like right up my street. There's one to enjoy. Um he's cause he, he went for the he went for the title, didn't he, against Bron Breaker? He did. He did, yeah. Was that was that quite a good feud? It was a good feud, yeah. He even kidnapped um, Rick Steiner at one point as well, kept him in the yes. cage. 
I heard about that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I think I've missed some gold, to be honest. And like, I say, with a character like Gacy, a character like Gacy, it makes perfect sense that he's that he's got a monster mm. in, in Harland. And he, oh he, yeah, they, they would have been great. There would have been no. Like I say, GYV would have probably got released if it hadn't have been for Harlem being released. Mm. But Gacy and Harlem would have been a great combination going forward. If he hadn't yeah. been a naughty boy. Well, with with the GYV, it was Rob that that said to me about um, their gimmick being too UK focused, and, and he was you were absolutely right, Rob. Um, yeah, it was too too niche for the wider audience. You know, if they if they started with the whole soon to be recognised as whatever, it wouldn't have translated. So, as if they're doing the uh, if they're doing the schism gimmick justice, then more power to them. They are. They are. But yeah, it comes out and Casey's a really good promo from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um saying that he's an agent of change, he's you know, welcome to NXT level up where everyone will be included. And anyone who makes who wants to make a name for themselves is welcome. He he brought the whole concept of the show round to his message and his worldview. And you know, how fitting is it that that Harlan's the first to grace the stage and he does that sort of stare and smile into the camera and he, he's it's that thing where the smile's wide, but it doesn't reach the eyes. I told you all that I am an agent of change. Welcome to NXT Level Up, where everyone will be included, and anyone who wants to make a name for themselves in NXT is welcome. And we will use this ring to resolve any conflict. And how fitting is it that Harlan will be the first to grace this stage. And I know Harlan warmly welcomes his opponent, Javier Bernal. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. And that noise right there means it's time for Steve O to booker it better. Oh, fuck me. Oh, my. What the hell have we got here, Michael Cole? Or should I say, what the hell have we got here, Josh Matthews? Javier Bernal. Oh, my goodness. One of the next generation superstars for the WWE. And oh my. This, this guy, oh my goodness. That was Steve O'Bookering Joe Gacy better and that that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I was. As it always is, thank you, Steve, for taking the time. Fucking hell, mate. Um, Bernal comes out. I don't know what he's like now, but he was very sort of generic baby face, and yeah, not much of a reaction for uh, for Mister Bernal. Like I said, what, what's he? Uh, how is he nowadays? I take it he's got a bit more about him. No, really, <laughs> no. Oh. He's just a bit no, sleazy. Just sleazeable. He's just as. Just an out and out sleaze ball that gets his ass kicked. He's just a bit more of a modern wrestler. Yeah. 
Oh, well, fair enough. Well, he gets the shit kicked out of Mira as well, doesn't he? It's, it's very yeah. much a uh, a squash match to make Alan look I, like an absolute monster. Again, aficionado of good old British wrestling, it was lovely to see some elbows and knuckles being used as pointy instruments on the back of uh, um, the uh, neck of Banal. I yes, love that when Alan, Alan's rubbing his face into the mat and then he gets his elbow right in there, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that is a real hark back to the old days. When the... Yeah. But there was, there was another hark back to uh, 2000 because uh, the Tank Abbott yeets back when he threw him across the, yeet, the ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was deliberate, though. <laughs> It was. I think he slammed his face into the mat like five times consecutively. Yeah, yeah. And then he just, just dragged him by the ankle, like you know, like you'd see in a slasher film. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, that was that was it. That was the th- that was the thing with Harlan. That was exactly what he was meant to be. Yeah. You know, he actually did injure one of the uh, backroom staff of at the performance centre because they were doing a gimmick where they were going down some stairs and he go, he pushed somebody down the stairs. Oh, shit. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, you know, Bernal tries to fire up. You know, he, he, he ducks a swing, he gets a few forearms and a mm. drop kick and then he just gets absolutely swatted out of midair going for a, a sort of crossbody. And I kind of felt... For the pitch, wasn't it? I, I like went back and watched that three or four times to try and work yeah. out... How he'd swatted him out of the air. Yeah, well, I, was, I was just about to say, I kind of felt for, for both guys because the, the camera cuts just did the, did it absolutely no favours. Yeah. No. But, you know, otherwise impressive as hell, really. Just literally punching a guy out of midair is, uh, is, is really impressive. Harland hoists Bernal up and, and gives him some sort of massive slam. For the three, and I, I really like the way he crossed his wrists on the pin. Yeah, that was beautiful, wasn't it? Oh, shoulders down. Yeah, yeah, just right across his throat. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I thought that looked. I, I thought I know there's, you know, you can pick holes in it, but I thought it looked cool. <laughs> and you know, Gase is in to celebrate with a peace sign, and for me, this was just it was exactly what it needed to be. Like I said before, squash match to make Ireland look a monster. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was very reminiscent. I mean, you know, obviously, we covered uh, Barry Howitt's um, debut with pig bladders and that episode mm-hmm. that we watched, where it was all squash matches, and it very much harkened back to 1981, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. And, and for for a show like this with such a limited runtime, that's what you need. Yeah, we get uh, get a replay of the devastation and. This is going to be kind of a theme as as we go through this, at least for me. It was this kind of exceeded expectations because I went in not I went in not expecting much, and I was at minimum pleasantly surprised. We'll uh, we'll save the next bit for the end because uh, I assume you'll want to talk about the adverts at the end, Rob. Oh no! Well, I, I don't know if these really count. <laughs> they were kind of integral to the show, weren't they? Uh, so I, I'm not classing them as adverts because they made up a, a big part of it. And, and it, when you watch WWE, the, the sort of self-promotion is amazing, isn't it? The amount of yeah. times the advert... Uh, they're like the BBC. We don't have adverts, but we advertise ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we, had, we, had the, we had an ad for the 2022 Elimination Chamber where Bobby Lashley was champion, and then an ad for WWE 2K22. 
were pretty much straight to the next match, which was uh, Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley with uh, Malcolm Bivens versus Fallon Henley and Kayla Inlay. Um, I can't believe you haven't told people that if they pre-order WWE 2K22, they'll get the Undertaker pack. I mean, um, what are people going to do now, Dan? This is the most yeah. upset they've ever been. You could you could have had some uh, got some sales out of that. I'm, I'm not a salesperson by nature. I'm I'm sorry, Rob. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll try and do better. Please don't fire me. <laughs> I'm not paying you. I'll try and do a little bit of background on, on people I'm not familiar with, which on this show yeah. is everybody bar Kushida. So, <laughs> so Alan Henley has been having a wonderful storyline that, come well, uh, had a Valentine's Day conclusion uh, recently. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Fallon Henley has this sort of country gimmick and she was doing a bit of sort of line dancing when she came out. Um, I, I was just looking it up earlier. She's billed as being from Michigan and she's from Florida in real life. <laughs> I don't know why she's got this country gimmick. <laughs> well, she, halfway between Michigan and Florida is about that area. About, you know about right, yeah, yeah. If you average it out, yeah. It's, it's, it's the mean <laughs> place that she lives. But she's been having this story with... Briggs and Jensen, where she was running her parents' bar and they were all drinking there. And then Kiana James was trying to buy it out from under them. And Kiana James is Taylor Inlay later on. Yeah. And then they yeah, have this got that, yeah. rivalry, they become frenemies. Uh, and then it's Jensen, isn't it? He falls in love with Kiana James and... But um, Fallon Henley overheard her on the phone saying that she loved, was it Zach or something that she said she loved on the phone? So for weeks, she's been, should I tell him, shouldn't I tell him, that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. They were just about to have the first kiss on this week's NXT and she runs up and says, no, he's cheating on you. He said said that he loves Zach. I do love Zach. He's my brother. (laughs) God. (laughs) But Um, uh, if I've, I've done my research right, Aunt Fallon and Kayla now, uh, sorry, Kiana, tag team champions now. Yeah, they certainly are. I was just about to get to that. Kayla Inlay, this was her debut. Then she had a couple of matches and then went away. Fallon Henley hooked up with Briggs and Jensen. And then she came, comes back as Miss Tessmacher. And the sorry, name of Kiana James. Remember the the, the the sort of the secretary looking one. That's, from that's, that's why I was con- that's why I was confused. Uh, Miss Texmacker was a TNA. Yeah, Eric Bischoff's assistant. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, she comes back looking like her with a computer. Uh, uh, the whole the whole bit, but she's this high powered businesswoman that wants to buy Alan Henley's bar for some reason. But uh, instead of that, they end up as tag champions. Sounds like some sort of nefarious, like eighties coming of age movie where they've got to save the rec centre. They've got they've got to save they've got to save uh, Fallon Henley's bar. Mm. That was exactly what it was. The only good thing about it is is that somebody, for whatever reason, that uh, Kayla Inlay went away. Somebody went and thought, hmm, that sounds like something that a carpet. Player would use 
Let's change her name to Kiana James. I was wanting to call her Kayla Underlay for the whole time watching it. <laughs> oh, was it John Elijah that was a carpet fitter in um, his spare time? But <laughs> on the first episode of All Stars Wrestling, I can't remember. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But another thing, oh, thing, Dan, it's very reminiscent of Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man on Baywatch. Oh, don't remind me. Don't remind me. Um, the only other thing I could find that, that Fallon Henley and, uh, and Kayla Inley, got Kiana James, uh, have in common is that they both had matches uh, in AEW. Uh, Fallon Henley uh, wrestled Big Swirl back in uh, 2020 uh, in a losing effort, and Kayla Inley uh, lost, to, uh, lost to the Bunny in June 2021. That, that uh, must that, be the Bunny's one victory, because they've absolutely buried her. Yeah. Well, actually, Fallon Henley also wrestled Britt Baker on a dark match for the May Young Classic. Yeah, um, I think it was the second one. Uh, so that's uh, that's the thing. Then the only other thing I couldn't I couldn't find anything on Tate and Paxley. I was just going to say Tate and Paxley. Every time I see her, I go, "Oh yeah, it's Tate and Paxley," and then I forget. Yeah. About her. <laughs> that's exactly, exactly it. That's what that's what Wikipedia have done as well. I'm like, oh, I know her. I've seen her somewhere before. <laughs> and all I could find on Ivy Nile was that she was a fitness competitor on uh, on Titan Games, which I believe was hosted by The Rock. And you know, I'm pretty sure the mention on commentary, or I've heard mentioned of her before about you know being a, an MMA fighter. And all I could find on that is that she fought at flyweight and she had one fight and lost it. Well, she was in Diamond Mine with the Creed Brothers and don't forget your old pal, Roddy. Is he yeah. still employed by WWE? No one knows. He is. <laughs> Has he taken up like the mystery vortex that JTG occupied in catering for all them years? He's, at the moment, he's trying to mentor different people and getting right. beaten up a lot. Sounds fun. But, yeah, the thing with Ivy now is that when... Um, Diamond Mine lost, uh, what's his name? I can't think of the name of the guy that was... Malcolm Bivens. Malcolm Bivens, that's him. When they lost him, it should never have been Roddy Strong that was the leader. It should have always been Ivy Nile. She was the one that was running the group. Mm. So it was just sort of thrashing around in the dark, really, with Roddy Strong trying to... Fighting it in fighting with the Creed brothers and yeah, well, there's there's a really nice pop for Ivy now when she comes out. She's the last one, mm. last one in. You know, Fallon and Kayla come out first. That you know, again, it's it's kind of generic entrance music, but it's going to be. And you know, they, they at least made the effort to sync the gear, and they had a they had a little dance in the ring and commentary. You know, bigging bigging them up as up and comers. So you know, they were trying there, and it's uh, quite interesting that the history goes all the way back to level up. I did think, though, because Fallon comes out and she's doing a little country dance, and then Kayla comes out and she's doing whatever sort of dance she is, and then Fallon's <laughs> doing the same dance with her, you know. I mean, it should have been Donnie and Marie, shouldn't it? You know, she should have been a little bit yeah. country and she should have been a little bit rock and roll. And Tate <laughs> <laughs> um, and Paxley came out and, and did something, and Ivy gets a nice pop, and Ivy... Whenever I've seen Ivan Al, she always looks badass. She does. Um, she's got a presence to her, which 
is something that you can't really teach or, or, or quantify, you know, on screen. Um, you had like Paxley was doing all these poses and, and bits and pieces. Ivy drew focus just by standing on the ropes. Oh, well, Paxley did do one of the stretching things we used to do at judo. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. I noticed that. Uh, the thing with Paxley is it is at this time, it's must have been where she was first trying to get into Diamond Mine and impress Ivy Nile for some reason. This is probably <laughs> their reason. first match together. <laughs> she, she, she just wants to get close to Roderick Strong and it's that awesome charisma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All that magnetic personality. <laughs> I, I think this was Tim Paxley's first match, actually, as well. So I think I, you had... I, yeah. You know, it's sort of one experienced and one complete newbie on each team. Mm. Yeah. Well, I was actually really impressed with this. It helped that, in like, from almost from the get-go, the crowd were chanting, Ivy's going to kill you. They made Ivy feel a bigger... The crowd made Ivy feel a mm. bigger monster and contributed more than they did for the actual monster in the previous match. When Kayla Inlay tagged out uh, Fallon Henley and it was Ivy and Fallon. We got a thank you, Kayla Chan, because the crowd yeah. wanted to see those two together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. One thing that, that stood out for me was, and it's because it, it reminded me a bit of um, of Scott Steiner, was when Ivy Nile had the head scissors on, I can't, I can't remember if it was Fallon Henley or Kayla Inlay, and she just kept rolling with it and making it look effortless and and started doing press ups while she was, you know, while she had her in the uh, in the in the the head scissor on the floor. I just thought that was brilliant. Again, they're doing at this time they're doing vignettes of uh, training guys, right? Running fifty miles with wearing chains and doing these sort of press ups and head docks and things on guys. Just to prove how what a bad ass she is. Yeah, I think she she turned uh, Fallon Henley tried something. I think it was a, I'll probably get this wrong because I, I, whenever I hear the name, I always think about quesadillas. It was a it was a quesadora, and yeah. Ivy turned it into a German suplex. Yeah, yeah, I've got that in my notes. I don't know if you noticed, Glenn. There was a a world of sports spot with the um, Ivy had Fallon's head sort of between her legs. And she did the handstand yeah. out. Handstand out of it, yeah. Even I clocked that one, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you learn you can you learn I know, I know. Something else I noticed during this match, Jane, um, is part of your list where you say about signs. Now, there's not really any signs in these NXT arenas, but there was... Right front row, right front and centre, a guy that was about 60 in a Chase U swear. Was it you? No, Rob. it wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, I mean to be fair, it's mature students, isn't it? You know? <laughs> well, there's mature students and then there was this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look he didn't look as though he was part of the Chase U section. He was part of the staff. <laughs> but yeah, re- really impressed by Ivy Nile in this. Um, she was the standout for me. You know, the rest all got the little bit to do, but this really was the Ivy show. And again, I was I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed the match. 
Yeah, Rob. I'm, I'm just worried that I, I, in my head I thought the old guy could uh, in the Chase U shirt could have been the Dean. And then I went on this thing of, why don't they get Shane Douglas in? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Do you know what? If, if, this was, if, this was an, if the Chase U gimmick was an impact, there's a fair <laughs> chance, given, given all the talent they've brought back recently. Um, <laughs> I kind of want that now. I, want, <laughs> I, I didn't know I wanted it until just now. Now I need it. <laughs> put, put him back with Tori Wilson again. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Wrestling, <laughs> wrestling, this couple. They, they, they'd um, show uh, Keanu James and uh, uh, Briggs Jensen, what a real couple is. <laughs> oh, God. It, uh, that, Ivy's finisher as well, where Killer Inlay sort of misses the backslide and Ivy uh, has sort of a, it's like a dragon sleeper, but she reaches round her own back to lock it in and wrench back, like wrench the neck back further. I thought that looked really good. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? She did that on this week's NXT as well, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Yeah. This is absolutely brilliant. I love that uh, sort of, I don't know, behind the back dragon sleeper thing. (laughs) Join us next week for the Ivy Nile standcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot that, you know there's a lot of really good characters on this show I love Fallon Henley well, I think she's great well, and while we're big, bigging up Ivy Nile another thing from your list was the hair thing mm. on this show because there's no impressive mullets or anything I have to give the hair to Ivy Nile oh you, you can't just Rene Goulet in the middle of a show <laughs> it's all good it's all good but yeah, i think suffice to say we all enjoyed this and again pleasantly surprised it you know it's not it's never going to be the best match you'll ever see given the time limits but i've certainly oh. watched worse i've watched worse actually on the main show yeah from that period, that was one of the better tag team matches I've seen. And for two women making the debuts as well. Exactly. Yeah. When you consider what the the Abbots, we called them the Lollipop Guild, who were the women's champions. Uh, all the botches yeah. that they were doing at this time. Was it Casey Catanzaro and... Casey um, and yeah, the other one. Permit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't understand about Casey Catanzaro though. Didn't she win like American Ninja Warrior, which had like really high ratings and stuff? And she was independently famous. And they took her and spent years training her and have scrubbed her of anything that relates her to that. You know, and she used to come in and like climb up Spider Man style the side of the ring post and stuff. And and now it's just like generic wrestler number two. Yeah. Katana Chance and Caden Carter are what they're calling them. That's it. And yeah, we used to call them the Lollipop Guild because it looked like <laughs> you blew on them and they'd go, yeah, they were the champions. And they'd do, and they'd do silly things. Like uh, there was one where did a suicide dive. She did a suicide and caught her foot on the rope and just what took her head or into the floor. <laughs> I, I remember when... Um... Caden Carter was, you know, coming to NXT or whatever, and uh, it may have been the May Young Classic or whatever, and they had this vignette package, and she looked like an absolute killer, and I thought she was going to come out and be like, you know, six foot tall. No. <laughs> and then she comes out, and it's like, oh. 
in the early days of the NXT women's tag team titles, I wanted Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez to just absolutely run roughshod over everybody. What they should have. Yeah, and then end up tagging on the main roster. But then I'd, I'd have stuck them in there with with some of the guys as well. Mm. Just to make two absolute monsters build up to, you know, obviously do what they do with all tag teams, build up to a huge blow-up. You have this absolute knockdown, drag-out war, and you, then you've got you've got two stars. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, Rhea, Rhea's done all right for herself since. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that in the men's... Although I have to say this about the men's tag team division, because, you know, the, there's war raiders or, you know, Viking experience, whatever they're called, Vikings are us this, what have they called this week? And they were swagging off Drew McIntyre and Sheamus because they're Vikings. I mean, who has more Viking blood in them? (laughs) Drew McIntyre and Sheamus or these two blokes from America? (laughs) 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 That's going to be one of the best things ever. We're never going to call them the Viking experience for... WWE to get a cease and desist from York City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be brilliant. I actually I got to see the War Machine, as they were called, when they were IWGP Tag Champions. They wrestled in Manchester. Yeah, for, for, it was for um, WCPW, their World Cup shows. And uh, I was queuing up, <laughs> queuing up just to get some food. I think I was literally queuing up for a hot dog. And there was just a big curtain. Up near us, and then this giant hairy head just pokes through, and this giant guy shuffles through, and it was, uh, and it was, uh, it was what it was Hanson, and he had the IWGP tag team titles in a Tesco back. I stood between them at the urinals at your Evoke in Preston. That sounds intimidating. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was bad enough being in an Evoke. <laughs> Oh, I'm, not, I'm not surprised Todd Hanson appeared though where there was hot dogs about. Yeah, well, he just he just sort of he, he poked his head through, realised there was a big queue there, but still just like shuffled out and buggered off to do whatever <laughs> yeah. he was going to do. And it was just it was just the sight of those belts in a Tesco bag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we saw a car or carter at Tesco's in um, Altrincham, didn't we? Buying the Tesco's meal deal. I don't think I was with you at that point because I drove separately with Scott. Oh, no, I saw you later on. Yeah, no, no. We went to Tesco's and Okada was in there buying the meal deal. We need to do a separate podcast on what Tesco meal deal we think the uh, the New Japan roster would buy. Well, those bloody security guys, because Okada had done this interview saying that he loved Jaffa cakes and he wanted to get loads when he was in Britain, so loads of people brought them to the Altrincham show. And then there was just a security guy with a big bin bag confiscating everyone's Jaffa cakes <laughs> on the way in. I wonder if any of them made it, made it to Okada. No, no. They went uh, to that guy's house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's when he it's when he's walking away and he he pulls off a fake mustache and, and he's in his hat and the hair falls down and, it, and it's Tanahashi. Brilliant. Then spin out a six month feud over Tanahashi making Okada's Jaffa cakes. Oh, it's better if it was Naito and when he does that thing with his eye, he's got a Jaffa cake there instead of holding his eye off. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't we booking wrestling? <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyway, back, back to NXT level up. <laughs> well, we're not far from it because the next match involves 
somebody from New Japan. Yeah, and thank God he's back there and yeah. in Impact now. Because yeah. um, we, we have a, we have sort of a, a retrospective on Rocky Johnson's career, uh, voiced uh, voice over by The Rock, and an advert for WrestleMania 38, and we're into the main event. Just one thing on that, uh, Rocky yeah. Johnson, because it's part of Black History Month, you know, which it's kind of nice that they do that sort of thing, but they should do this all year round. And the fact that they do it once a blue moon, if they were if they were promoting stars of the past mm. and promoting people, then it wouldn't stick out like a sore thumb. You know, it's like when Sainsbury's do the LGBTQ month. You know, yeah. it's, it's tokenism. You know, you, you need to be reinforced no, okay. all the time. Don't get me started on that. I work for Sainsbury's. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. We don't want you to risk your job, Glenn, not for this podcast. Oh, no, no, don't worry. <laughs> Anyway, let's back to Kushida or Idris Elba. Back to the future or the past or however way you look at it. <laughs> Idris Elba. I can't decide whether Idris Inoffe sounds like a delicious dessert or someone I'd be really excited about town signing. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't did he have a seat I... at Bristol City t- like four years ago? <laughs> no, no, but town players go to Bristol City to die. That's the way it works. We don't get anyone from them. Oh, fair enough. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I just, you've mentioned about a deli- delicious dessert, and all I'm thinking now is Banoffee, and I fucking yeah, hate Banoffee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, so, what I'm going to do instead is take my first swig of this Imperial Smoked Cherry Stout from, uh, from Brass Castle called Cherry Bomb. Yeah, get them out for the cherry. That'll stop you thinking about bananas. Oh, that's rather nice. Um, but yeah, it's Kashida with uh, Ikemenjiro versus Idris Anofe with Malik Blade. Um, hero, you're my hero, in the words of Lash Lesund. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Ikemenjiro, you are my hero. <laughs> okay. Um, what? The pair of, the pair of those... Although they have not been released, I can't remember the last time they were actually on TV. Which is, a bit, which is a bit odd to me, because after watching this match, Idris Inofe, he looked pretty good, but I don't know how much of that was Kushida. Uh, it lot I, don't, I, don't know, it, I don't know how wrestling works. <laughs> this is the best I've ever seen Idris Inofe. Yeah, uh, mate. That's what I thought it might be. <laughs> and Malik, Malik Blade always looks half asleep to me. I mean, I know he's not. I know he's an incredibly driven young man who spends a lot of time in the gym, and you don't you don't get where he is without being driven. Mm-hmm. But he looks half asleep. Yeah. yeah, I'm just astonished how well I say astonished. I should have pre- I should have expected it really. Just how WWE managed to sort of drop the ball with Kushida. Because he's so talented. Unbelievable. I was thinking this, though, because it, was it just that he was on, like, a short contract and they didn't want to push him mm. because he was going to leave and it was like, I'm only going to come if I can live in Florida and not, you know, do house shows and all this sort of stuff. So, um, because I can't yeah, imagine if they'd have got him full-time on a long-term deal, surely they'd have had him on the main roster. But I'd still expect him to do more with him than put him in a tag team that sounds like a reminder to have a wank. I love Jackie. I don't care what either of you say. This was my oh, shit. God, no. <laughs> oh, God, no. 
<laughs> You've got a six-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, two-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion, a two-time Best of Super Junior winner, a one-time Super J winner, a one-time Super J Tag Team tournament winner, a one-time Ring of Honor TV Champion, and a one-time WWE Cruiserweight Champion. And you put him in a you're putting him in a masturbatory reminder. But but the the thing the thing about this is Dan and I saw a lot of that and loved a lot of that and thought Kashida was great. But the thing I didn't know I needed <laughs> was tagging him up with Hickey Manjiro and calling it jacket time. Is Hickey Manjiro still employed? I, I think he were doing this for free. Hickey Manjiro is still there. <laughs> he turns. I'll tell you what. I'll 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 notebook here where I just found a bit of paper on to do my notes for tonight an old NXT uh, my notes for this was GYV versus Creed Brothers nothing match jacket tie bring a desk to the Japanese announce table <laughs> oh, that is what they were doing with Kushida <laughs> oh god don't get me wrong brilliant for Ikemenjiro and I'll give him credit Ikemenjiro yeah. is definitely memorable I-, I was gutted that we didn't get more out of Ikemenjiro on this show because he just sort of stands in the background and doesn't do very much. And he's such a character. Um, there's only really Gacy of the managers that does anything on this show. Mm. Former two-time UWA World Trios champion, Ica Menjiro. The UWA? Yeah, World Trios Championship. On live TV? No, unfortunately, it's the Mexican Universal Wrestling Association. You know, I don't recognise that one, Dan. I only recognise the one from 2000 on live TV that went on after. Fine, fine, <laughs> fine Rob. Yes, he's, he's a two-time winner of, of, of live TV's Trios Championship. <laughs> and was one of the other trio, Mick McManus? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> with, with the, with Mick McManus and the Death Squad. Oh. Yeah. The train by Tajiri, actually, was uh, Ikaminjiro. Oh, well, he's been, he's been wrestling since tw- he debuted in 2011. Did he? Apparently so, yeah. Been uh, worked a lot for Wrestle One. Uh, can you tell I'm live Googling this because I forgot to Google the managers? I did enjoy Jiro in NXT 2.0, though. I, you know, I, I thought it was a, a real character. Yeah, fair enough, and that's you know that's one criticism that can be levelled with a lot of uh, levelled a lot of modern wrestling. There aren't that many sort of standout characters, and no. that's what uh, you know NXT two point may have tried to go too far the other way, but at least it tried. I mean, I say this in the nicest way possible. It gave me Norman Smiley vibes. Yeah, I'm coming round to the Norman Smiley thing. I'm starting to get it after you, you know you and Sarah went on for. We're not going to be for ages not getting Norman Smiley. Um, I particularly Norman Sarah. Smiley. Northampton's yeah. old Norman Smiley. <laughs> to give him his full proper title. Um, just an episode of Nitro and he's coming out waving an American flag, the fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, on the, we're still on the entrances here. Um, they gave Idris and Ophé really sort of quite grand-sounding music and then... I feel like he's made a rod for his own back with that um, with that nickname, the epitome of excellence. That's uh, that's a lot to live up to. It doesn't roll off the tongue either, does it? No, not really. No, but, you just enough you know. it. The epitome of um, excellence. Say that five times quickly when you're pissed. <laughs> give me about um, give me about 
10 minutes because I'm on the, this Calamon's 11%. <laughs> but again, this, this theme of the show, this match exceeded my expectations wildly. And, and Glenn, you confirmed that Kushida was, was doing sort of a lot of the heavy lifting in this match. Yes, definitely. I, I thought it was bloody great. <laughs> like in the context of what I was expecting. There was a lot to like here. It's, you know, even just the start where Kashida starts out, he's missing the low kicks. They have a lock-up. Idris immediately overpowers him, so Kashida's going behind. And the whole opening exchange and, and the vast majority of the match actually felt like a contest. It was. It was more of a contest than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. This is um, only a half-hour show, and you see Kashida in there against Idris and Ophi, and I thought, this is going to be a squash. Mm. Yeah, me too. And it's, yeah, Kashida gave Idris a hell of a lot. You know, you talk about people running with things and doing it to the, the sort of the utmost of their ability. Kashida really did it, did it here. He could have spat his dummy out and said, you know, I, I'm the I'm the veteran. I should go over in the main event of this new show. But I don't <laughs> think there's, I, I don't think a lot of the Japanese guys are wired like that. No, that's a fair point. They tend to be more professional about everything. Mm. You think of what a diva Shinsuke Nakamura could have been, but he's taken everything that they've thrown at him on the chin. I still can't believe they turned him versus AJ Styles into a cock-knocker feud. Oh, no. <laughs> Just each other in the dick. Uh, yeah. yeah but, but you've got to remember, Dan, that Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles had people punching each other in the dick. <laughs> That's what made it <laughs> good. And what, what I really loved, Nakamura and uh, Rick Boogs did like um, a series of adverts for an SUV, which actually <laughs> was, it re- it was really good because the, they were off site yeah. and you saw more of the character. And you, yeah. You just wish they'd done more of that in that era of SmackDown when they were on, when they weren't doing, you know, the, the putting efforts into vignettes and stuff. And bizarrely enough, you know, one of the best segments on the show was the advert for the SUV, not the wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're probably right, but we all know your affinity for adverts, Rob, so I, I do wonder if that's more your taste. Oh, ju- just you wait till next week, Dan. <laughs> Just you wait till you see a wrestling and advert. Oh, Jesus. Um, we'll get to what we're covering next week, but my God, I, I, I've not watched it yet, but I can only imagine. But in this match, you know, there was just a lot of stuff to like again, with it be, like I say, with it being a contest. There's just a great sequence in the middle of it where Idris shoot, uh, whips Kushida, you know, he does the drop down and the leapfrog, and Kushida stops short. So Idris hits the rope, Kushida follows him into a run, and he hits a running hurricane runner. Kashida grabs the boot on the kick and he, he sort of drapes Idris over the second yeah. rope and then arm drags him. I thought we'd established after Scott Steiner beat up Mike Tanay that it's a Frankensteiner. <laughs> it was in it was in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to argue with Scott Steiner? <laughs> he, he's not here to kick my head in, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say yes. his next five times into a mirror at night. <laughs> <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Steiner math, Steiner math. <laughs> I had to try to explain the Steiner math promo to somebody at work the other day. 
<laughs> oh, imagine if KSU were hired as a new maths professor. <laughs> he's just a ghost. <laughs> well, he's in the Hall of Fame now, so it's not out of the question. Yeah, yeah. Dean, Dean Douglas, Scott Steiner is the maths teacher. I'm trying to think if there's any other characters that would uh, that would fit in. <laughs> any, any, anybody help? <laughs> bring, bring Mike, bring Mike Tanay and the professor. What a good way that that would be to get a, a feud going between Bron Breaker. Oh God! Oh, Andre I'm names. No, the other one. Scott the Australian geezer. The Australian, the Australian geezer. Oh, Jackson Waller. Not Grayson Waller. The other one. Duke Hudson. Duke Hudson, that's him. Oh, he's Australian. He's... Great, I got that right. <laughs> 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 I just took it from the context that it's you got... said before about it. He's <laughs> got a sign of teaching math in Chase U. Uh, uh, Bronze sticking his head round the door, going, oh, All right, Uncle Scott. And then it's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against Scott Steiner actually, if he if he's fit and healthy enough. I wouldn't be against him actually having a match with Bron Breaker. I can just imagine the scene though, because like Scott Steiner's there teaching maths, and Andre Chase is like sat in the corner, and Scott and Bron sticks his head round and says, "All right, Uncle Scott." <laughs> Andre yeah. Chase is like, "No fucking interruptions." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, you could bring you could bring back even just for the vignettes. You could bring back um, Aidan English as the drama teacher. Oh, really? <laughs> That'd be so good. Oh, I'd like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, any more thoughts on this match, lads? <laughs> well, um, Kashida went for a Judy Gatami, which is uh, Shades of Tank Abbott. <laughs> your favorite, uh, your favorite move. <laughs> Oh, just don't get me started on the sexy star thing. <laughs> no, I, w- I won't because I've heard that rant enough fucking times. <laughs> um, what about you, Glenn? Any more thoughts on the match, sort of overall? Again, it's, it's been like the whole show that it w- surpassed expectations. Yeah, it really is. I've, I've not seen one of these, but now it's actually made me want to go and actually watch some more of them. The second episode starts off starts off pretty hot. Uh, you know, starts off pretty much in the same vein. Doesn't quite hold the steam to the end. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but I'll. Uh, who knows? The third might the third might bring it back up. You know, it can't be a hit every week. They are just. It is essentially an like I said NXT dark elevation. It is, and it's only um, half hour out of the day. You're not exactly losing a lot of time. Yeah, NXT NXT two point felt like that was two hours wasted. Mm. A lot of the time, this feels like if if you if if you watch half an hour and it's a bit shit, it's you just think, oh, that's all right, yeah, whatever. Well, you get one in a half hour show, you get three matches and one of them's good. Then you ain't gonna, you don't worry about the other two that much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we, we got to see Kashida pull out his repertoire. He misses a uh, misses. I think he was going for a shorty in the corner. Um, then he, he gets the boots up. There's a sort of a diving tornado DDT and, and bits of his. Like, he he do, manages to do his. Um, I think it's sort of you know, the hip toss into the drop kick, which is always good from Kashida. Uh, trying to find my notes about what the uh, what the finish was. 
Well, it was when um, Kashida went for the Judy Katami and Inofe sort of rolled through it onto the onto his back, um, and then they break up, and then there's a four fifty off the top rope. Mm. I thought it was a shooting star. Uh, I counted the rotations. I was like going down <laughs> with my hand. I was going. I, I tracked her out on the screen, going ninety one eight. <laughs> I must have looked away for a second. I could, I've even written shooting star press on his. <laughs> on my That's, what I've got. That's what I've got. So. Yeah, because he, he, he did the shooting star because his knees went into, pretty much went into Kashida's stomach, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, but you're round back again on the 450, aren't you? Yeah. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, while he's looking, I'll sum up my views on the show. They put Harland over. Tick. The tape match put Ivy Nile over. Tick. Kushida against Idris and Ophi. Put an Ophi over. Tick. Basically, good overall. Yeah. There was definitely some good stuff. I think, for me, though, they only used Joe Gacy as the manager. All the others just sort of stood around. And didn't yeah. do very much. One of the sort of criminal things in terms of writing this as a television show is there was no sort of hook to come next week. It was just a, a face versus face match in the main event, and they all shook hands at the end. You know, it's, it's, it, it was very self-contained. It's like, all oh, right, I enjoyed that, but I can kind of leave it there. <laughs> There's nothing that makes I, me must watch episode two because I've got to find out what happens to A, B, and C. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, f- funnily enough, one thing I didn't realise on the first watch, I actually watched it again before we um, uh, before we did this. They actually, in the tag team match as well, I forgot to mention, they um, they bigged up the uh, the upcoming uh, Dusty Rhodes uh, tag team classic. Mm-hmm. Yes, because um, um, I mean, Tate and Paxley tag in that, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just watched it back, Rob, uh, the finish to the Idris and Ophir Kashida match, and it is a shooting star. I must be getting confused with bloody Matt Seidel on uh, Wrestle Society X that we did for. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think you are, mate. And that was um, that wasn't Matt Seidel who did the. Uh, it was the. Um, it Jack, was Jack Evans who did the six forty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there was so many cameras. I've, I've still, I've, I've still got uh, <laughs> some kind of <laughs> attention deficit disorder from watching that nineteen minutes. <laughs> it, was, it was Kevin Dunn's wet dream, wasn't it? Jesus Christ. Oh, Kevin Dunn saw that and thought there's too many camera cuts on this. But yeah, I, I agree with you, with you, Glenn. You know, the, the, all three matches did what they were there to do. We end on a, on a major upset, which yeah. in itself can be something of a hook, I think, to try and, you know, try and draw you in, you know, in a, you know anything can happen kind of way. It's not maybe the strongest sort of device in the world, but overall, I... <laughs> Unlike a lot of stuff that we've covered on this show, I didn't regret watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Just you wait till next week, Dan. Just you wait. <laughs> God, it's it, it's starting to give me a complex now. The amount you're talking about. <laughs> I found something that made HCW look good. <laughs> I refuse to. Um, do you know what? With that, I take that as a challenge. If I will find a way to enjoy that more than HCW. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. So, yeah, overall, enjoyable half hour of telly. Mm-hmm. So, aside from the adverts that they had, well, I mean, they, they pimped out Crown Jewel, didn't they? Uh, they pimped out WrestleMania. They, they pimped out WWE 2K22. 
but there weren't any adverts for any external products that I spotted. I don't know about you guys. Did you spot any? No. No. No, I didn't. But, you know, it's, it's their network. Well, I suppose their network. It is for us. Um, why would they advertise anything else? Unless there, no. big mo- unless there was big money on the table. Yeah, it's true. In terms of shout-outs that we've had for the show... Chris Bellis at the real Chris Bellis had said that uh, he'd had an order from the Tartarus Fairies uh, just in time for uh, an epic crossover with UTC podcast and one man's mate. Yeah, there were some uh, some great beers and, and great fun at recording with those boys. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, definitely. Uh, you'd mentioned um, that being another great podcast recording with the uh, one man's meat boys and. Uh, that we were getting King's Pig Bladders on the show, and Danny out Scottish Juggalo said the King on UTT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I nearly made a joke at Jerry Lawler's expense, which feels in very bad taste, given his current health health issues. I know he's got a history, but I still don't want to be that much of a dick. AB, the leader of the Optimist Club at official AB underscore Poz. I uh, said that UTT podcast is a great listen if you like the crazier side of classic wrestling. Yeah, and, and AB will be coming on in a future episode, which will no doubt be as calm and and sort of well thought out and and, and just good, clean, wholesome fun as uh, as, the, as their appearance on uh, the Doctor Who pod. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. That's going to be excellent because... Uh... What we're covering is uh, very close to my heart. So, uh, Mr. Rogers at Mr. Rogers said that uh, recording the Love Boat with us was a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> I, I've, I've never found something that made like this, this was thirty minutes of television that we've covered tonight. That that it, in places it flew by. The Love Boat mm-hmm. was thirty minutes of television that felt like about seven hours. I felt like we had Kashida and Chris Dabian splitting time while we were trying to watch. <laughs> I thought Alex Shelley was in time yes. split. Oh, was it? Was it? Yeah. 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 He should have been yeah. saved. He was, he was the better one. He was although, the sharp although, although Kashida, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban collectively uh, tagging as a trio in uh, for No Surrender coming up, or well, by the time this ends, about six months ago, uh, they're tagging as Time Machine. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure that Saban and Casida tagged as well, actually, thinking about it. They probably did at some point, yeah. to be fair. I, I just know time splitters is Shelley and Casida. Meanwhile, Chris is refusing to watch anything from the year that he was born, which is 1973. Uh, I did watch that uh, special match that they had on World of Sports sen- celebrating Britain's entrance into the common market with... Uh, Tug Holton versus um, <laughs> Sal Balermo. Um, Sal Balermo. Sal Balermo. ECW um, legend. But uh, Cam Griff uh, at uh, Cam Griff 92, your brother Dan, said that we should be doing an historic look back at 1973. We'll probably get around to it eventually. It's us. It's rare, we, it's rare we venture into the 90s, let alone the, the 2020s that we're doing now. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Ben from the Rantomitis podcast at Rantomitis um, said that we were one of the podcaster creators that helped him make the show what it is. Oh, we're sorry. So thank you very much for that, that uh, Ben. And he'll be on uh, next time as well, won't he? He will, covering 
Do you know, I'll, I'll, I'll I was going to mention it at the end, but I've, I've, I'm getting sick of repeating about the bush. We're we're covering Ron's Championship Wrestling. Yeah, Ron rides back. We saw him in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, <laughs> and he's yeah. back. And this time he's got his own wrestling promotion. Or has he? Because they haven't got enough money to start it, so they can have a telephone. He's back, and this time it's sort of personal. Yeah. <laughs> and this time we've got a TV deal, but we can't afford to put any matches on. <laughs> it's Why do I let you do these things? <laughs> oh, God. Is that the end of the shout-out? It is. And that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. It's going to be a car crash. But anyway. Wrong <laughs> so right, That sort of thing. <laughs> Shall we get to the awards section? Yeah. So next up is the awards section. Uh, first up is the award for match of the night. Uh, Glenn, who gets your match of the night? Well, it's going to be uh, Kushida against Edris Anofi. But basically, all three matches are really good yeah I can get on board with that I'm going to jump ahead because I picked Kashida versus Idris Anofi as well I thought it was, it was a lot of fun to watch looked like a contest but I could have made a case for the tag match as well um, yeah. but I had to go with the main event just because it was that good Rob do we get a clean sweep it's time for time we'll be chanting oh Idris Anofi yeah yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's those three. It's, it is only good match ever. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I'll, I'll I'll watch any future matches with uh, with tempered expectations. When uh, uh, even Blade, he had a decent tag match against uh, Pretty Deadly. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, when Pretty Deadly were all mm. uh, bad because they'd lost. Yeah. Really yeah. hoped <laughs> it was going to go into a pretty dejected uh, storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were going to be doing the... the, the uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty sadly. <laughs> yeah. But they, they, they pecked up halfway through. It, it, yeah, they did. I was gutted at that. In, in my head canon, they're still pretty dejected. <laughs> <laughs> bad, look, bad look Baron Corbin was the best version of Baron Corbin, easily. It was. It was. They should have kept that going. going. It was so good. He's going back, he's going back there, though, isn't he, now? What now that is JBL fucked off? Yep. Yeah. 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 He lost. He lost again last week. So JBL's basically giving him the elbow. Oh well. It, make, it makes sense. Why would a wrestling god hang out with Baron Corbin? <laughs> <laughs> but one lost to him at WrestleMania in Kurt Angle. Yeah. Um, so next award is the MVP of the night. Glenn, who's your MVP? Hmm. That is a hard one. Um, I would say Kashida for making Edris and Elfie look so good. This is getting scary. I'm jumping ahead again because I've got exactly the same <laughs> for the exact same reason. <laughs> Rob, are we getting a second clean sweep? We're not because he is the MVP of every show that he's uh, on and he makes everything better. It's Joe Gacy. I thought you were gonna. Say, I thought you were gonna say come in here, but no. no. <laughs> I, I mean, Joe Gacy is an amazing promo. He's got an amazing presence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he really gets it as a wrestler because he completely sold on him before he even steps in the ring. Banging theme tune, Joe Gacy. I can't really argue with that. Yeah, he he, he was the absolute yeah. business in that opening segment. He was. 
Next up is moment of the night. Uh, Glenn, what's your moment of the night? Sticking to a theme here. I wasn't expecting Edris and Ophi to go over on Kushida, and that was a real surprise. Have you looked at my have you looked at my fucking nose? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna bother trying to change this on the fly. <laughs> Rob clean sweep. No, I, I thought a little bit out of the Fuck. box on this one, and I guess it's a little bit unfair. But when I'm watching, you know, new TV shows or whatever. I really love sort of that that team up moment where they, they get the team together and they go and assemble everyone that's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. the, the main cast of the show going forward. And this is the genesis of the Fallon Henry, Keanu James moment. You know, it's the first time we see them together and obviously they're going to go back and have that great storyline in future. So it's really great to see this sort of proto team of them together. So from a television point of view and, and that history, I'm, I'm putting that in. But that that... Normally, I don't look back and uh, accept future things, but I am doing this time. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just didn't want a clean sweep, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand your point, I do. It's, um, it was actually something in my notes as well that this was sort of the, 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 the outset of this, uh, what be, you know, who'd become tag team champions, so I do understand. I think the thing is with this, we, we normally cover stuff that's really historic, you know, from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm. And this time we're covering something that's really prescient. It's happening right now. It's literally this week they're involved in a storyline. So yeah. it's a little bit different and it sort of colours my view on the show. Well, at the time of recording, this aired a year ago tomorrow. Yeah. So it is. I think it is quite literally the most recent thing we've ever done. Yeah, yeah. And, and, we, and we love the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love, I, love, I love things that happened anywhere from nine to nineteen years before I was born. <laughs> Worry thing is, I do as well, and I was born. <laughs> I live those years. It's all right. Rob did a few of them. <laughs> wow. Did you? I can't. I can't remember. Coffee, um, so we can't do a sign of the night because there weren't any signs. No, no. On the flashback for Rocky Johnson and Tony oh, Alton's tag oh, team, no. there, was a, there was an amazing sign that a kid had drawn uh, for the Soul Patrol, and it almost looked like they were in a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so this week's sign of the night goes to Soul Patrol in a boat, as drawn, as drawn by an eight-year-old. Yeah, in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm. Next up is the most important award of the night, the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. Glenn, I've already spoke this. <laughs> you are, I can't remember what you said. Was it Ivy? Ivy, yeah. Well, that's cool. yeah, yeah, you've read my notes again. <laughs> Ivy, Ivy had brilliant hair, and I liked the way that she'd got like this, oh, I don't know, string in the braids that was like going across the back of it. Yeah. This is where, this is where Rob gives his Rene Goulet to Ikemenjiro. No, I, I'm not. Ikemenjiro would be a good call. A lot of really nice hair, and that's the only thing I ever remember about her. Tatum Paxley oh, always has nice hair, but the winner of the Rene Goulet Award is Idris Inofi. Because he had sort of the shades, shaved sides with geometric patterns in. Yes. And then he had the sort of blonde tips in the middle. 
Idris and Ophir very nearly made mine, to be fair. Yeah, and me. I, I, I didn't look that hard, and I thought... Shall, shall we collectively give a joint René Goulet to Ivy Nile and Idris and Ophir? Idris and Ophir, yeah. I think I so. Think, I think we might need to start parting this out into a male and female award. And that that's only because a lot of the shows review Tori Wilson's on. <laughs> <laughs> and she has fabulous hair. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, but seriously, I mean, it's difficult sometimes because sometimes we have seriously good hair and seriously crazy hair on a show. Mm. It's only understanding that no matter who's on the show, if Tanahashi is present, Tanahashi wins. Maybe we should have a René Goulet and a Tori Wilson award. Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, I'll try and remember that for next time. Um, yeah. If it comes up again, Rob remembered his idea. If it doesn't come up again, I forgot. So we'll, we'll give Ivy now the Tory Wilson Award and we'll give uh, uh, Idris and Ophir the René Goulet. That sounds, that sounds fair. Sounds fair enough. So for our final piece of business, see what I did there, uh, we've got to uh, rate the show out of 10. So I'll come to you, Glenn, first again as the, as the guest. Uh, what would you rate the debut episode of NXT Level Up out of 10? Pleasantly surprised. It would have got an 8. But it was only half an hour. It flew by. Three good matches. Nine out of ten. Wow. Wow. Fair enough. I've not been quite as generous, but we'll get to mine in a minute. Rob? I've not been quite as generous. I very much enjoyed it. I'm giving it a six out of ten, but that's only because, and I guess the half an hour hurt it in terms of you know, we're not getting storylines going forward. Everything felt a bit siloed. There wasn't sort of a join between it. But you didn't really have much time to do any of that. So, Can I just say, um, my highest score is because I'm envisioning you two guys don't know what it was sandwiched between. Hmm. I, I know what it was sandwiched between. So I, I'm looking at it... Uh, how much better it was than the two NXT shows it was sandwiched between. So, so this is a value-add score that you're giving it rather than an absolute score. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, look, it, gets a, it gets an extra for, for half, being only half an hour. Yeah. Basically, all those people in those matches were as good as I've seen them on any NXT show. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Uh, the added context that, that that Glenn brings there, and in, in, in that it sort of in that informing his opinion, is exactly what I was hoping had happened uh, on this show. You know, and, and the the extra knowledge you've you've brought from from watching all of NXT 2.0 is it it just <laughs> not to toot our own horns, but it just made you the perfect choice for this episode, mate. It was Thank you. Brilliant. Carry on, Rob. Uh, I can't remember what I was going to say, so it must have been a lie. <laughs> I believe you were going to justify your six out of ten. Oh no! I think, well, I think it does justify in terms of the siloing of the show. Uh, it's only half an hour, though. That's great, and it just goes to show that you can do a decent show in half an hour. Um, yeah. you know, we've got three-hour shows kicking around, five-hour pay-per-views. You know, get in there, get out. You know, there was some really excellent, as we saw with Wrestle Society X, for example. Yeah, we did. 
Um, that was the glory of NXT UK. It only being an hour. Did, did you ever yeah. go to any of the tapings? I never. Yeah, I went to one of the early Cambridge ones, but apart from that, I didn't get to any. I tried to get to the BT studios, but they were really, really. You had to know somebody to get in there. Even <laughs> Sid couldn't get me in. That's how hard it was to get in there. I went to the initial to the initial tournament in Blackpool, and it was amazing. And then Dan and I went to NXT in York, and I think oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the longest night of my life. And I thought it was just because I was. The thing is, I went to both nights, and both nights were four hours plus. At least You're on not the, the only one that said that. At least on the first night, I was hammered. <laughs> the second night, I, I thought it was just the hangover that was killing me, but no. No. <laughs> no. But as for my rating, as I said, I watched it just before we started recording, and that was my second viewing. On my first viewing, I was where you were, Rob, at about a six out of ten. I've actually bumped it up to a seven on the second viewing uh, because it was as sort of slickly produced as any WWE show is. The commentary was fine. I do, I do quite like Nigel McGuinness um, in general, so I enjoyed that. In-ring, it exceeded every ex- expectation I had, especially with, um, you know, at least two, maybe three uh, wrestlers having their first sort of TV match. You know, we got a decent squash match, a, a, a good tag team match, and, and a very enjoyable main event with a surprise finish. It was only on second viewing when I found the the sort of the story elements that commentary were putting in about the, the May Young Classic. But I think, you know, every, like Glenn said earlier, every match did what it set out to do and did it effectively. It was very snappy. It was only half an hour. So, yeah, I, I bumped it up an extra point to, to 7 out of 10. Really, really enjoyed it. Excellent. So would it surprise you that the Community Vote on Cage match rated this show 6.14 out of 10? Fair enough. Um, I yeah, mean, yeah. I can see how I can see how you'd get there. Um, you, you were only uh, you were only a, a little decimal point off, Rob. Yeah, well, I, and people might not believe this, but I actually put I, I, I make a point of writing down my review <laughs> review pointage before I uh, look up what cage match had it as. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be guided by them, although you know. I, I, you know, some sometimes I, I vehemently disagree with cage match. So. Yeah, oh, you you don't want to listen to wrestling fans, mate. <laughs> Even though I'm one of the people that contribute to cage match. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, but yeah, I think it's it's got a good average. It's got a good average rating from us three. Um, I'd say it's it's well worth checking out to anybody listening who hasn't seen it. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. It, it, it goes quickly. There's a lot worse ways to uh, spend half an hour watching wrestling. <laughs> Do you think they'll make that the tagline? NXT level <laughs> of <laughs> pleasantly surprising. Yeah. Just keep <laughs> next week, Dan. Just you wait. <laughs> See, now I don't know what's the... You keep going on about this one that we're covering next week, and I feel like it, it, it must be absolutely shockingly shit. That's why I picked it. <laughs> I look forward to listening to that. But I don't know if you fake it. But I don't know if you faking me out. That's the problem. No, I'm not. So, uh, so, so, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Glenn. Where, where can people find you? 
You can find me at GA WrestleNut on Twitter. Basically, that's the only place I really bother with anything. At AWI Pod, give Brent a follow on there. We're recording later on, 3 o'clock UK. We'll be doing WWF Superstars of Wrestling from February the 6th, 1993. We titled the... Well, he's called the show. It's a show about great mullets and bad wrestling. UTT uh, podcast. Right up no, I'm sure your <laughs> listeners will be quite interested to give it a listen. It goes live on on the AWI Pod YouTube channel tomorrow and then next Tuesday on any podcast. What's it of your choice? Excellent. We'll be there listening to that, definitely. Yeah, Rob, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutual thing about the followers. So I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. On the same channel that listening to this, you can hear the One Man's Meat podcast with Danny and Scottish Juggalo and the real Chris Bellis, and they're following the forgotten storylines of wrestling, um, wrestlers that might not get that much love, that kind of thing. Um, they've also recently, although probably uh, quite a while ago <laughs> when this drops, because <laughs> we've got a backlog, dropped their Cold Cut series where they are going through each episode of Wrestle Society X and Wrestle Society Extra, which... We were very privileged to be guests on the second show for, weren't we, Dan? We were. That was a lot of fun to record. I had no idea Wrestling Society X existed, and I couldn't be happier to have found that or been put onto it, I should say. Yeah, so go back in their archives about two years ago when this dropped uh, and listen and listen to that. Uh, but, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant, and uh, we're happy to be on that. On the same channel, listen to this as well. You can hear the Unbooking the Tankatory podcast, where we're following the ups and downs of the in-ring career of legitimately the hardest man that ever lived, one David Tank Abbott. And if you follow the Twitter for that, at UTT Tank, you can get some hashtag tank facts, such as Hulk Hogan boasts about slamming Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3 in the Pontiac Silverdome. Tank Abbott once slammed the Pontiac Silverdome. He did. I've seen it. It was an incredible feat. <laughs> Tank Abbott completed Dance Dance Revolution without losing a single life the day it was released. In fact, he found it so easy, he wrote his first novel while doing it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great read. And Tank Abbott can teach an old dog new tricks. Very true. He can. And I was going to go into my uh, my spiel, but it's taken me this long to realise I should have Rob run all, run all of that off last because that's far more important than when you can f- where you can find me. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter, at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date, or movies that are 25 years out of date. And if you want to hear more of me, you can hear me on the Doctor Who pod with Cy Powell over on the SJP World Media Network. Uh, we're time recording, we're just wrapping, about to wrap up season three. Um, we'll be making plans for season four. We cover one episode or serial per Doctor Per series, seeing what lands for me as a modern Who fan with the classic stuff and vice versa with Cy as a classic Who fan with the modern stuff. Glenn, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Hope to have you on again uh, in the future. Oh. It's been a great chat. I've, I've loved your insight into everything here, uh, as I mentioned before. Uh, just thank you so much for coming on. I'd love to get back in the time machine with you and go back to 1973. We have to do it, and we have to drag Millwall Chris on as well, kicking and screaming. To, yeah. uh, and, and we can explain why it's so good, and he can uh, <laughs> complain. 
He can, <laughs> he, he, he can bounce. He can bounce around his inflatable house and have a suck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, gents. It's been a pleasure. Oh, pleasure's all ours, mate. Thank you so much. And, and next week, as we've said, we're going to go to to Ron's Championship Wrestling. Rob will give the uh, give the full backstory there and and <laughs> what that is. And we will be having the velvet piped absolute gent that is uh, witticisms of Ben on of Rantonister's fame. Very much looking forward to talking to him as well. He said he'd come on the show and do absolutely anything we asked him to. So. Ron's Championship Wrestling. Yeah, never say that. To, never, never say that to Rob. <laughs> You'll end up watching some right shit. <laughs> Sounds right up my street, actually. <laughs> well, oh, we, well, we've got the telephone, and then we've got the la- first episode of the telephone, the last episode of the telephone, the first episode of the wrestling, and the last episode of the wrestling. So there's gonna we are going to be milking the shit out of this promotion. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, you've just Glenn, you've just signed yourself up for Ron's Championship Wrestling. <laughs> but that's all to come in the future. Just a final thanks to Glenn and to Rob, as always, for putting up with uh, my bullshit. And to all of you at home, thank you for listening. Yeah. And what a main event here on NXT Level Up. Idris Inoufe with a statement win over the respected veteran Kushida and Inoufe seemingly earning the respect of Kushida. A show of respect from superstars in our main event, perhaps an indication of the spirit that this show will be built upon. Absolutely, the tag team partners even shaking hands. But tonight is Idris Inoufe's night as Inoufe make a statement to level up. You could never overlook me. Believed in myself and look where it took me. Took me. Push me.